This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Looking forward to connecting with Alma Pollard. She's the executive director of the Green Times, an eco consultant and a coach. And here she is. Morning, Alma Pollard. Good morning. Awesome to speak to you. Yeah, and with you. How's the Helderberg t- today? Good? Uh, the Helderberg is good. We've had a little bit of a few cooler days, which helps so much. <laughs> yeah, after this weekend, who wouldn't want some cooler days? When I, I, I tell you, Alma, in the, in the middle of Saturday's heat, I said to my wife, I want Alma Pollard's go to say, this has got this is definitely climate change because it, it wasn't officially registered because they said there were some other mitigating circumstances that wouldn't allow it to be official. But it, in, in several places, it was the hottest it's been in the history of Rick of South Africa since they've been keeping records of things this weekend. I mean, that's not normal, Alma Pollard. Well, I don't think you need me to point <laughs> out that this yes. is climate change anymore, thank heavens. <laughs> <laughs> I think the man in the street knows this by now. Mm. Yeah, but we just yep. we don't want to believe know, it. Yeah, I don't know where this disbelief comes from. I don't personally understand that because, you know, it's been so long that it, it immediately made sense when I learned about this decades ago. So I don't know why people are so resistant to understanding but, you know, a lot has been said about humans' um, reluctance to, to, to accept warnings yeah, of but calamities. We actually don't accept. We don't look up, as, as we now say. Hey? Yeah, but Alma, this, this, and, and this is similar to the story we're talking about here. We don't want to have to accept the fact that we're responsible, you know, because uh, climate mm. change is our fault. We can't point the blame, really. It's our collective fault. And the same thing here with what's happening on the ocean and the ocean floor. It's collectively our fault. And I think acknowledging that these things are true means we have to take responsibility for our choices and our actions. And we don't like that as people. And the problem with that is that it means you're going to have to change. Mm -hmm. And people don't want to change, especially when it comes to comfort. You know, I went to see a a doctor, take my my daughter to a doctor in Cape Town yesterday, wonderful, wonderful person, conscious doctor and everything else. But they were sitting in this huge waiting room, three reclining chairs in front of windows with these little flimsy curtains in between really beautiful places, the top class places, (laughs) with an aircon at each chair. This is sort of reclining chairs where they have um, IV drips, nutrient IV drips, amazing stuff. And in front of each chair is a huge aircon blasting pop, pop um, cool air onto each of these chairs, and there's nobody sitting there. Oh my goodness, Alma! And it's just, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, this is pure insanity. I'm trapped in a in a very strange, tragic comedy, basically. Yeah. I mean, how does this make any sense? So you know, I said to the receptionist, "There's nobody sitting there. Why do you have these things blasting? Do you know about climate change? Now, you don't have to say that. Everybody knows it by now. But you have to think the next step. Mm. Can you do something if it's an absolute crisis and somebody's sitting there and melting down from the heat? Sure, but there's nobody there. You know, we just don't think. Good point. Um, we've got some uh, people, listeners that have mentioned they're excited about the story because we spoke about it very briefly earlier on. The idea that mm. there's something happening under the sea that mostly we don't even know about. So you're going to have to help us to know w- what are they doing with all of these boys and satellite connections and, and things, systems, observation systems under the sea connecting us with the Internet of Things and the Internet of the Sea. 
Uh, there's stuff going on that we don't have a cooking clue about. Help us, to Alma, please. It's fascinating, yeah. This is this is now related to the CNIC program that has been in the pipeline and that the first world countries definitely are working on for at least the last five years, according mm. to what I am understanding now. So, you know, we've got the smart cities, we've got the Internet of Things, so that everywhere and every place on this planet must be connected to the Internet for some reason. Yeah. And now they're taking that into the Internet of Underwater Things. So they want every single spot in the ocean to be as connected as every single spot on the Earth. Wow. So that from the very bottom of the, from the ocean floor, there's always instant wireless connection, uh, communication connection with mm. everything else. So now the problem with this, <laughs> and you can imagine, but um, amongst other things is that, you know, when new programs are launched anywhere, there's always a, a comment period, yes. supposed to be, where the inter- uh, in- uh, in- affected and and interested and affected parties can comment. But in this case, the interested and affected parties, as in the sea life, were not consulted. Yes. Nobody asked them. <laughs> do you <laughs> do you want feel all of these? We are talking about a myriad of, of devices. We are talking about sensors and antennas on the floor, um, on different levels up um, various depths, um, signals being sent to the surface, self-driven vehicles on the surface, under the, the surface, um, submarines self-driven, um, um, wireless buoys floating around, underwater robots, smart ships and, <laughs> and boats. Um, they're talking about smart coasts. Goodness. So everywhere is connected. So why would they do that? Hmm. Well, you know, we are in the in the internet era, and this is engineers think this is a fantastic new development to be done. Yes. And they're talking about benefits. There are benefits like um, monitoring climate change, <laughs> ironically, yeah. um, monitoring um, pollution, um, preventing or, or predicting disasters. For example, they can see that a tsunami is going to come, and you know, yeah. proper warning, exploration. You know, this gas, this gas exploration. So it's all the seismic testing is part of that already. Um, fishing, aquaculture, um, harvesting coral reefs. Oh, that's for a nice one. Wow. Um, monitoring tectonic plates, so relating to to um, earthquakes, navigation, trade, um, military communication, and surve- surveillance. Mm. So it sounds like a fantastic idea, doesn't it? Yes, it it does. I mean, I can hear some things there that are questionable, but for the most part, this looks like something that could save lives and early warning systems are what save lives. So it seems sensible. Um, Human lives, maybe, yeah. Correct. Well, that's the conversation this morning, isn't it? Isn't that the problem? So to do that, they have to develop unbelievable amount of devices. And because communication is more difficult underwater than on land, you have all this extra noise that needs to happen. So different types of waves, extra special stuff, special acoustic waves, radio waves, lasers, LED, magnetic induction, all sorts of extra things. And they all, the sound, it all travels by sound, by sound waves. And we know 
um, there's a lot of research done about how this affects whales and dolphins. Mm. You know, long ago, Jacques Cousteau, in 1953, he published a book called The Silent World, which was what was underwater, was a silent place. Now, of course, we know it's long not the case, the last two decades at least, all this extra mining, lots of um, um, ship uh, traveling, so now seismic testing, the ocean has become a noisy place. Mm. So the problem is that up to now, we didn't understand the issue of noise pollution in the oceans. But we found this wonderful 36-page report uh, on ocean care. And I think this is required reading for absolutely everybody. You need to understand what noise does to the ocean and to the sea life and to the fish, not just the, the whales and the dolphins. So this, this tells us a bit more about that. And mm. for me, that is of interest. We're talking here about the impact on the the development of the bodies, um, misshapen bodies happening, eggs um, that that die yeah. or that are laid too uh, too early or that develop too slowly. Wow. They, we're talking about internal wounds, cellular damage leading to disorientation and death, a creature to become deaf. We're talking about um, beha- behavioral. Um, Problem, problems like yeah. trauma reactions, um, increasing aggression, flight or fright reactions, um, creatures beginning to hide away instead of looking for food, so then they will get hungry and they, they can die, um, reduce protection against predators, so they become completely disoriented. They can't lead their normal life if they are bombarded by sound all the time. They're not building their nest properly. They're not looking after their nest, their, their nest properly. Mm. Um, the, the, the mating um, calls are not heard, so they can't um, you know, have, have partners and make more babies. Um, it's endless. Feeding is disrupted. So this is already happening. Yeah. Now, can you imagine if we add all this extra noise, it's an onslaught on the ocean. Already, just because of noise in the ocean, commercial catches in the ocean have reduced by 80% just because of noise. Oh, my goodness. The bigger fish, yeah, already now. 80%. So the bigger fish flee, they go to other places, they go deeper, they go further away. Um, but there's so many other bad consequences that we're already sitting with. So that's why Jacques then said the ocean are, oceans are dying. The life in the ocean is already hanging on a thread. Mm. So what do we do, Alma? I mean, we can see here that what, we, what we're seeing, we feel is helping, but uh, it's only helping us. It isn't helping the sea life, which di- which directly helps us, so we're creating a bit of a break in the loop here. Uh, and what do we do? I mean, we can't do we do we tell everyone rip up all of these things? It's not doing any good, or must we find a way to? Put, uh, it feels like what is the solution, or if is there even a solution? Uh, the solution for me is always firstly to be informed, to actually face the facts, mm. to actually look for it and know it. Know it so well that you can repeat it to other people. Right. You know, you need to know that, that the ocean absorbs 24 million tons of carbon dioxide per day. That's where our, where our gases go. Wow. Is the ocean protects us from it. Um, the, the ocean is 26% more acidic 
than it was uh, a, a, a decade ago because it's absorbing all, all of these gases. Mm. So the ocean has already absorbed 93% of the heat that comes from our greenhouse gases. So now all this extra acid and all this extra heat is destroying the, the coral reefs, as you know. Also the algae. Mm. And the algae is the food for a lot of, of animals in the sea. Um, the ocean produces a third of our, of our oxygen that we need to breathe. Mm. So, you know, these are the lungs also. The lungs are not just the forest. The lungs are a third the forest, but a third the ocean. So we can't, we can't keep messing with this. Um, I think firstly to be informed, and then, I mean, we've got currently a night opportunity in South Africa. We've got the, the oil and gas amendment bill, mm. and the gas master plan is currently open for comment yeah. until the 31st of January. So this week only still. So if you can Google that and go and comment there, because you know they're wanting to harvest this gas mostly from the bottom of the ocean. And gas is a greenhouse gas. Yeah. A, a greenhouse, it's a greenhouse gas. It, it, it gives off methane gas, which is seven times more toxic than carbon dioxide. So to call it natural and to think that means it is safe is, is completely crazy. So here's an opportunity for us to do that. Uh, and then we are marching on Saturday yeah. at the Strand Beach yes. <laughs> against the seismic testing and the noise in the ocean. So there's one thing you can attend if you like. Come and join us. Yeah, and uh, you'll find a fantastic invite. You'll see a shark rising up out of the ocean and consuming a ship. <laughs> you'll find that it's a cartoon picture, which you'll find on the Green Times. The moment you spot that, you'll be like, oh, yes, that is the little bit of info for what's happening this weekend. And Elmer's passed it on so to me. So last weekend, yeah. many beaches had, had protests, but in the Strand, we're doing it this Saturday morning at 9. Every little bit helps. One must never think you are too small and too powerless to make a contribution. It is that very thinking that has brought us into trouble. So we cannot sure. afford to think like that. Yeah, go be part of the solution. This story that we've shared and even more details, there's some shocking statistics of what's actually happening in the sea, which uh, I think should drive us to some kind of action. You'll find that on that story on thegreentimes.co.za. This is the voice of their executive director. It's Alma Pollard, eco-consultant and coach. And we love all the work you're doing. And thanks for sharing with such passion every week, Alma. Have a beautiful and blessed day. Thank you. Bless you and have an awesome day. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.